uh, usually Mondays are for football, but we're changing it up this week. Two reasons why the NBA is super hot. It's crazy. Uh, we had a excellent weekend of basketball, and we need to get to it. Also, we need to clean up some things from Friday that we did not discuss. The first thing that we need to talk about is the Mike Budenholzer firing from the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, man, you can't fire that guy, uh, understanding the situation that uh, Coach Bud lost his brother uh, during that playoff seat, that playoff run. And uh, obviously his mind had to be somewhere else. You, It's hard to decompartmentalize that situation. Um, and he's human. You know, we all go through things. I mean, my mom literally just a couple hours ago left on a stretcher. And she's going back to the hospital again. And here we are. Um, And I don't mean to sound callous because it hurts every single time she goes in. Uh, I am one of the reasons why there was radio silence on this podcast for almost like a week and a half is because I've been dealing with some health issues with my mother. And, uh, you know, today is a another hard day. But, you know, the one thing that I say about it is that <clears throat> this podcast is an excellent source of therapy for me. So we continue on. and. That's what, I believe that is what Mike Budenholzer tried to do with the Milwaukee Bucks in his playoff run. And I understand that we are a culture of, oh, well, it didn't work, got to get him out of here. Or, oh, how could you fire him after the death of his brother? Understand his polarizing sides. Here's the thing. Both can be true, but here's the problem. Let's go back to when Milwaukee made that incredible run to the 21 championship. Now, at that point in time, there were whispers, rumors, scuttlebutt, uh, innuendo, whatever it is about Mike Budenholzer being fired if they didn't make it to the finals then. Lo and behold, they win the finals. He, as an off year last year in the 2022 playoffs, right, we had an injury to Middleton. That stopped their championship run, and they ran into a bus off. This year, we had injuries all over the board, but still the number one seed, and they were playing the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler was amazing. Uh, Let's use other adjectives to describe. He was absolutely outstanding. He was stellar. He was magnificent to watch he was dominant 
he was an absolute problem for anyone who was guarding him that wore a Milwaukee Buck uniform. Now, some of the strategy things that go along with that is that Budenholzer never put Giannis Antetokounmpo on Jimmy Butler. Okay, how is it that the best player in the league? Now, you might have quandaries and there might be Steph guys out there and there might be LeBron guys out there. There might be other guys out there. You might be a Durant guy. You might be a Jokic guy. All of this could be true, but whoever your best player in the league is, this guy is not too far behind. We can all agree on that, right? And for that type of guy to not guard Butler, who is having an incredible series, incredible, he's just killing them. For him to not be guarded by Giannis whatsoever was a crime. And it was a terminable offense. I'm sorry. For those who are out there and we're trying to push the narrative of how could you, how heartless is this situation? Now, if your argument was Bud was the best coach they could possibly get and what's on the market right now is not good enough to elevate this team, now you might have something. Because here's the thing, Budenholzer won 50-plus games every year except the year that they actually won the title, okay? Every year, that dude had Milwaukee in a really good position to win. Now, the year they won it, they didn't, but still, credible run, win the championship, and there you go. Remember at that time, Giannis had won back-to-back MVPs, and we were all sitting there going like, dude, you're going to be fraudulent if you go up in here and do not make the finals. Now, that dude is certified. Giannis is completely certified. We, you know, moved on. Now we moved on to Jokic, and the Jokic hive is upset that he didn't win his third MVP. The Embiid Hive was upset because they were trailing in the MVP um, poll, the straw poll that Tim Bontemps of ESPN does every year. And then you have Giannis just doing his thing. But unfortunately, the things that are going to be missed from this uh, playoff series is that Giannis didn't play in two games. Let's not forget that. Okay? So when we talk about Bud and how terrible he was, and yes, there were adjustments that definitely could have been made, and he did not make them. And for that, I actually agree with him being let go. Now, the problem. Who are you going to get, Milwaukee fans, to replace Mike Budenhoser to be your head coach? Because that's an important hire on so many levels that we cannot sit here in this podcast and name them all. But the first couple things that are very important with this is that 
not only is Giannis on board, Giannis is on board with the hire and the vision. So let me say that again. Giannis needs to be on board with the coach and the direction that the front office and the coach put together to tell Giannis this is the best possible way we could do it to maximize your chances and opportunities to win a championship. Because Brian Windhorst, also of ESPN, threw out a little something. And the one thing about Brian Windhorst is that he rarely says something without being very calculated about it. But we all know that he's very plugged in. And we are, he's eligible for a extension in September. There are buzzards that are circling around Milwaukee. Now, I will say this. Uh, and I, can we stop calling them? I, I understand they're foreign players, but this this notion that, well, foreign players don't uh, ask to be traded. It only takes the first one to do it before we can go ahead and put that to bed. Now, is Giannis happy in Milwaukee? I am sure he has had a remarkable career there. Uh, Also, it's probably been pretty pleasurable for him to live there, in a sense, do his work there. I'm not saying that he is looking to leave. I'm not saying Milwaukee fans get up, you know, Start getting heightened aware of your guy checking out on you. No, we are not doing that here. But this is what I will say to Milwaukee fans. Welcome to the Jimmy Haslam era. Just look at the track record that the Cleveland Browns have had. And uh, tell me how you feel about Giannis now. Look at some of the moves under the tenure of Jimmy Haslam as the owner and the steward of the Cleveland Browns and Milwaukee Bucks fans. I ask you the question, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with what has happened? Oh, I definitely understand that you're very disappointed. I very much understand that you did not expect to be knocked out in the first round 100%. But there are tough choices this year to be made. There are bold choices to be made this year. One of them is what are you going to do to surround Giannis with the next group? Listen, Middleton, Drew Holiday are awesome players. They help any team that is trying to win a championship. These are playoff caliber players but what Giannis is 28 and Middleton is 34 and Drew is 33 we got to get some guys with some younger legs 
in that situation. And I'm not trying to be crass because I absolutely love the contributions of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. They were tremendous in the championship run. But you also have to understand that your offense this year, last year, and the year before was very unimaginative, and it was also predictable, and it bogged down a lot unless Giannis wanted to go superhuman, whatever Fantastic Four style situation he wanted to go to, or pick your favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe character that appeases you, and that's what Giannis was going to the basket, barreling to the basket over and over and over again. That guy is like blunt force trauma to your defense uh, as you go through a playoff series. He is just a unrelenting attacker until this season where he was actually hurt, right? He was hurt. He was compromised, and you needed your other guys to step up. Unfortunately, Middleton has been battling knee injuries for the last couple of years, and he just can't bring it every single game. So on the games that you need Giannis to go crazy and he can't, so then you're asking the others or his complimentary superstars, as I like to call them, to contribute to winning basketball, and they physically can't, because of, you know, maybe one game you go out and score 28 and you just empty the tank. And now you have nothing left for game three, four, whatever case may be. And all the while, Jimmy Butler is just raining down terror on the other side of the court. So a lot to think about in Milwaukee. Here, if you want kind of a thought experiment or whatever. Um, I don't, I'm not saying strip the team down. That's not what I'm saying. But there, is there any way that we could take Middleton's option of 42 million and turn that into two to three solid starter to roll pieces because to me you have the money in the sense because you have the contracts so you took a 42 million dollar contract and even if you split it up into one you know let's say rookie max and like a role player depending on the rookie max player and the role player you're going to be right back where you kind of need to be in Milwaukee. Now, the salary cap and all of the new CBA situations, which we're still waiting on that thing to be completely ratified. We've been told it's going to go through, but we're still trying to figure out which year is which, when it does it all kick in and all of that. I go back to Milwaukee fans and say this. You're in a quieter pickle right now. Your team is getting older, and it's very expensive. Oh, and by the way, your owner is now Jimmy Haslam. You're welcome. 
So a lot to do in Milwaukee in the offseason. We will be tracking that situation as we go along. Now, let's get to these playoff series that are going on right now because it's spicy. It's super spicy. Uh, We got the Knicks and Miami Heat, and Butler is still being Butler, and Julius Randle is uh, being Julius Randle, and I'm sure Knicks fans aren't happy about it. Here's the thing. The Knicks need a star, and as nice as it was for them to have this incredible year that they did and listen, New York, I will never take anything away from you. Much respect here. But you are a star needy team. You need one. It would probably put everybody kind of in their natural place anyway. And here's the thing. New York fans... Do not worry yourself. Because here's the deal. Disgruntled superstars in the NBA come about very often. Every time when you think there's going to be just peace throughout the force, no. One superstar will take a a situation that a franchise does to them and turn it into disrespect and decide that they no longer want to affiliate themselves with said organization who is paying them their salary. Again, I asked the question, CBA not ratified. Are we sure the owners are super excited about player entitlement, player uh, empowerment, player low managing player. I want to go to Vegas before the playoff start or the second round starts or whatever else you want to call these little things that the players have, you know? Um, I don't care in what walk of life you're in. If, you, if you're the boss of a place and you have an employee who might be out of this world, rock star good, if that guy is inconsistent with, I don't know, showing up properly on time or, you know, we'll, couple, we'll have a couple bad days here and there but then have the monster game to make it up. Or, you know, if he's in your sales force, yeah, those dudes can have one day where it's not great. Because guess what? That that real big day where all of the commissions come in, yeah, that's going to happen too. So do you put up with the, oh, every once in a while it's not going to be great, Oh, I want certain uh, freedoms and liberties to be able to do certain things, even though the team is in the playoffs. But this is what you do when you have somebody who can go get you a 50-burger. Shout out to James Harden and his playoff run. 
So Boston is sitting there, and they're looking at Philly going, you're still here. And Philly's like, yeah, did you expect anything different? And Boston's kind of going like, well, we thought you'd see the, you know, the name on the front that says Celtics, and you see the little shamrock, and we thought you would just go running back into whatever hole you crawled, crawled out from under. That's how the Celtics have been looking at this series, by the way. Super fan Bill Simmons of the Ringer basically said the same thing. He's like, they don't look interested. And now the series is a real series, and you have two guys on Philadelphia that at any point could go off 40-plus, 50. When you have that type of var- when you add that type of variable into now a three-game series, there is a lot to worry about. A lot. And I'm I'm so shocked in the kind of this reminds me of the Celtics a couple years ago, where you were saying they're a little too young. They kind of don't understand. It's not they don't understand the moment. But they don't have mastery of that moment, if that makes sense. Right? When we look at Steph Curry, we think mastery of the moment. When we look at Kawhi Leonard, even though he's been so injured, when he does come on the court, we think mastery of the moment. LeBron James, you know, we can go on with a couple other dudes. We might have to enter another dude into this deal, too. Durant, another one. Stone Cold Killer. But... With the Celtics, with Tatum and Brown, who are complete surgical assassins when they feel like they are in the right mental space to do so, but not every game. I think it's criminal that Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter in in overtime barely touches the ball. How nuts is that? How is Joe Mazzula looking at Marcus Smart and going, hey, you know, if you feel it, let it fly? No. Marcus, you are the third best player on this team. Not the second, not the first. You are the third best player on this team. Nobody discounts your importance or your impact to this team, but less shots, bro. We thought we had this under control in the last playoff run, but you've gone back to irrational, confident, supreme guy. Oh, sure, 27-footer, I got you. Barreling into the lane, not knowing where the hell you're going, I got you. Jalen Brown and Taylor and, and uh, Jason Tatum can get you buckets from a myriad of ways, spaces, distance, and what have you. Jalen Brown not touching the ball pretty much at all in the overtime period is a glaring, glaring mistake that Joe Mazzula has to answer for in a way of, we need to make adjustments where that never, ever happens again. It needs to be perfectly clear to Marcus Smart that 
dude, you are the complementary piece to the other two, but it, your importance to the team is very vast, even still that you are the third option, if you want to call it that, in the pecking order of the Boston Celtics. I don't know how that message gets conveyed in a smooth matter in a heightened playoff crazy series, but somebody needs to shake Marcus Smart and say, hey, bro, we can't can't have you jacking up 19, 20 shots. By the way, there's an interesting stat out there. Do you know, I think it's over the last couple years, crunch time minutes, do you know that Marcus Smart has 15 attempts in crunch time minutes? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum combined only have 13. That tells you all you need to know about why Boston is in the situation they're in, why they can consistently stay in the situation that they're in. These series are a lot harder than they need to be because Marcus Smart can't understand what his role is. So that's what's going on with the Boston-Miami series. Now, let's get over to the the Lakers series. (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts on the Lakers series. Let's go. We're so excited. Notes, everything. Uh, first of all, I'd like to shout out one of my uh, one of my guys who uh, used to listen to the uh, the QPPN days. Young Key, Keyshawn, what up? That's my Bay Area brother. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Young Key. Now, Key and I are on opposite sides of the fence on this one because he is a Warrior fan and I am a unmistakable Laker fan. And, uh, yeah, I feel pretty good. But here's the thing. Steph is remarkable. We've seen Clay do Clay-type things in Game 2. And... A hot clay is a scary clay, and we also know what game six clay is all about. All right? So we have that. But here's the thing. Here's a little here's a little dirty secret, and I'm sure Keyshawn would agree, even though it might be begrudgingly, but I think Keyshawn, my guy, would agree. Who else they got? Draymond is awesome. He's awesome. He is he is absolutely still one of the best defenders to one of the best defenders right now and he's definitely one of the best to ever do it. But Draymond is not getting you 22. All right? Now, Jordan Poole, the Lakers hunt him for sport. I mean, they can't get enough of Jordan Poole. Kerr cut his minutes to 12, by the way. Just keep in mind, Jordan Poole only got 12 minutes. So he sees what the Lakers see. 
Also, keep in mind too, he hasn't been very, um, he hasn't taken care of the basketball at all. He also, um, his fouling has become a huge issue for Golden State. He's helping the Lakers get into the penalty way earlier because once the man blow by, blows by him, he is not trying to recover to get back in. He's grabbing. He's reaching. And it doesn't matter if it's Schroeder or Reeves or Russell. He's reaching. So can Golden State go to the small lineup that might give the Lakers problems without all the deficiencies with it. Now, they thought they found something in Jermichael Green. Will they go back to it? I don't know. We'll see. Steph has admitted he's still trying to figure out LeBron. You think LeBron has a cheat code to series? I don't know what's going on there. Draymond is finding out that it's very hard to play uh, power forward in the NBA at six foot four when Anthony Davis has a wingspan that puts him at like seven seven. Kevin Looney looks like he's about to die on the court. You know, I love that guy. That guy has so much heart. Also, former UCLA guy. So, you know, got to give him love with that. But they don't have a lot of options, Gold State. It's on clay, and it's on Steph. Mostly, can Wiggins step up? Because if we can get the Wiggins from last year, that will help, right? Gold State fans. Now... On to the Lakers side of this, Anthony Davis obviously was uh, he was very aggressive in Game Three. He came with his A game. Game was over by the the end of the third quarter. Anthony Davis didn't have to step foot on the court. Great, he is rested. Now, as uh, Jeff Van Gundy so stated. Those nine to ten minutes of extra rest mean absolutely nothing. And he should be out there playing like 38 minutes a game. I strongly disagree with uh, Jeff Van Gundy. Have you not seen our roster, sir? Have you not seen some of our injuries over the last couple of seasons, sir? Now, I don't disrespect my elders in Jeff Van Gundy. Phenomenal coach. Great analyst. I couldn't have... I couldn't disagree with his take more. That 12 minutes was paramount to LeBron, and it was paramount to AD, who's dealing with a hip, shoulder, knee, foot, all kinds of stuff. We know what AD is, okay? And actually, this is warrior AD, basically. This is like savage AD. He's playing through stuff. Uh... It's not 100%, and but he's gutting it out for his team. Or you're, he's doing what he's supposed to do for his team. Play hurt, not injured. Play hurt. Play uncomfortable and still give great effort. 
Now, it's not happening every game. That's the other thing. Because here's the other secret to Laker fans that I want to kind of kind of rip the band-aid off of right now. And I've been thinking this ever pretty much since the trade deadline. And I I don't know how Laker fans will feel about this. And I honestly don't care. I never really thought about it when, and I go back as far as Magic and Kareem. I never thought about, oh, he's the man, or this guy's the man, and that's the number one option. This guy's the man, and this is his team, and this is his legacy and franchise, and blah, blah. I none, Listen, are you going to win? You winning? We winning? That's all I care about. We going to win? Cool. Like to see us do it with a little style and a little flair. You know, we are in LA. We are in the la la. I would like to see a little flair, little sprinkle, a little you know sugar on it for me, right? But at the end of the day, it didn't matter to me whether Kobe was the alpha and Shaq was the beta. It didn't matter if Shaq was the alpha and Kobe was the beta. It didn't matter to me if, well, it didn't matter to me if Kobe was the alpha and Gasol was a beta. It didn't matter then because Kobe needed to be the alpha and he needed to basically bully Gasol into being tough. But this narrative of, oh, this dude's number one, this is number one, number two, number one, don't matter. But at the end of the day, AD needs to be taking more shots than LeBron. If you look at when AD hits his shots and stuff like that, I'm not saying there's not celebrations for LeBron. I'm not saying they're not into it when he gets a nasty dunk or barrels into the lane, gets fouled, and get a you know get an and one. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's on the bench height, which is great to see. Great to see. Such a Palette cleansing trade deadline it was. There'll probably be more on that later. Not in this podcast, but maybe in the offseason we get into that. But the other thing is that when AD scores and he's aggressive and, you know, you initiate him into the offense early, you see aggressive AD defense. You see multiple... uh, you see multiple efforts on the defensive end. You see him flying out to shooters. You see him, you see him flying into the lane to, to provide weak side help. These are all things that AD is doing. He is dominating his team on defense. They are spooked to go to the hole. Spooked. You know what I'm saying? So this is an incredible series because the three-point shooting by the Warriors has been breathtaking, and the Lakers are just bludgeoning the uh, Golden State Warriors. Now, here's the thing. the It seems like the free-throw discrepancy that was in Game 1, it seems to have evened out somewhat. We'll see. I think that is actually kind of stupid, to tell you the truth, and here's my reason why. If you're watching this series, first of all, congratulations, right? 
it's a treat to see LeBron and Steph and Clay, AD, Draymond, Reeves, D'Lo, you know, Jordan Poole, Poole Party, all that. It's it's a treat. But the other thing that we're seeing is that with Draymond in foul trouble, with Anthony Davis's size, I mean, they're not they're not going to the paint. So the free throw discrepancy should be really large and it should favor the Lakers. And this is not me as a Laker fan going complaining about the refs, da 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 da. I'm just saying usually when you are the one initiating the force, usually you are giving good favor by showing that aggression, if that makes sense. The the team that attacks the basket goes after goes goes to the rack gets fouled more. It's just basic math. It's science. So you don't need any more explanation than that. But we noticed over the last couple games that the free throw discrepancy has definitely shrunk and it's been pretty much even. It was even after game basically game three. Like one more for the Lakers or whatever wasn't a huge difference. But if that's going to be the case, then this series still favors Golden State. It still favors them. Because if we're giving out participation trophies for fouls, and we're keeping it pretty much even, then Golden State has a run in them, and they're probably going to win that game. But I don't know. What is everybody's call on it? Do you think that the refs are calling it the way they need to call it? Listen, I'm not talking about unfair for the Lakers at all. I just, hey, if they don't call it, don't sulk. Get back on the defensive end and guard your butt off. Because nothing's going to be handed to us. The other thing, too, is, is that no matter what, the network wins. If L.A. moves on, great. All the titles, legacy, LeBron, all these, you know, all the stars in the fan, you know, all the stars in the seats, right? So great for business. If Go State win, great for business. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Chase Center, Rockin', Steve Kerr, awesome. People love him. What's going to happen to our guy, Bob Myers? More entry, storylines that can be woven into a, you know, a six, seven game series, in, you know, next round. We don't have a clue. We'll have to see. But Anthony Davis definitely needs to take more shots. I think also that we're starting to see, you know, I don't want to say decline. What I want to say is, like, you know, he's starting to slow down a little bit. LeBron, 38 years old, how could you not? The other thing, too, is is that the the foot injury is a lot worse than people are are letting on. You know, the guy has a tear of his uh, plashar fasciitis tendon. And you, Ryan Russillo made an excellent observation. The chase down tip to deflect the ball out of bounds where he was also trying to get it before it went out of bounds. And then he jumped over the first row and 
kept going almost to the locker room. Ryan said that is a guy who is not healthy and knows it. That if LeBron was healthy, he would just stop. That he would just stop his momentum. Just abruptly stop. But Ryan is saying with that foot being injured and compromised, he can't. So LeBron's had to do it a different way. If you notice, he's been more aggressive and more engaged on the defensive side of the ball. He's been blocking shots. He's been altering shots, getting in the passing lanes, calling out Golden State plays before they even get into their action. He's doing all the LeBron things that he needs to do. And also pacing himself and sparingly turning on the, you know, the knocks, you know. You know what I'm saying? So I think that we're getting a LeBron that is cerebral. We're getting a LeBron that is trying to map this thing out. Because I am certain, certain that LeBron believes that he has a real legitimate shot at a championship this year. This year. Those dudes seem happy playing together as well. Happy, happy. D'Lo looks cool on the bench. Hugging Troy Brown Jr. Oh, did you see that play by AD? Damn, that was cold. The vibe is just different. Now, we can pile on Russ if we want. I'm not here to do that. What I will say, it was a terrible fit. I understand the I understand what they were looking for. I understand what they theoretically were trying to obtain with Russ. But in reality, the fit was poor. And once the fit is poor, the vibes aren't great. There's going to be dissension in the locker room. You know, because Russell Westbrook is one of those type of guys that you got to throw your arm around and say, hey, we love you. We need you. You know, you need to help us win. You got to teach these other young kids to, to learn how to win. Because that's what kind of guy Westbrook, Westbrook is. You know, he is that type of guy. Now, does he make stupid turnovers? Yes, he does. Is he too amped up? Yes, he is. Most of the time. Does it cause him to make bad decisions? Yes, it does. Does it hurt his team? Yes, it does. But the other thing is, Russ's energy can be infectious. Russ's energy can be galvanizing. Russ's energy and his ferocity on how to play basketball can elevate his team. And we saw it with the Clippers. We saw him play great games, score a lot of points or whatever. But the other thing you saw him do is kind of allow the other guys to breathe. Like, cool, you know what? That dude's going to score a lot of points. But, you know, I'm not going to be afraid to take this three. I'm going to just let it fly. You know, I don't have any pressure on me. That's that's still pretty good. That's pretty good to have around on your squad, that type of situation. 
Now, for us, it's going to take something like, it's going to take, you know, a team full of shooters and you're like the driving kick guy and, you know, you just get down with some pick and rolls and whatever. But usually those teams don't win at all. So I wish, you know, Russ the best. But with that being said, this series so far has been pretty crazy. We've seen blowouts on both sides now. And now we're looking at game four and we're almost there. You know, it's going down next couple hours. So my question to everyone is this, is that how you feeling? Bay Area, you good? You nervous? You ready to go? Game four is yours? What's the situation? Lakers Nation, how y'all feel? Y'all ready to go? This is a big game because everybody knows in that locker room, you win this game, you're, you can't punch your ticket, but you could take it to the train station kind of and just hang out a little while. Like, oh yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm supposed to be here. You can do that. So, um, let's see if there's anything else that we need to hit. Oh, let's talk about Austin Reeves a little bit. Austin Reeves is awesome. Um, the one thing that I've been seeing with Austin, first of all, go back, watch Oklahoma, watch this guy in the tournament, watch him get dudes on his hip and do all the sorcery type of stuff that he's doing now for the Lakers. Also, this guy is a real, is a really good ball initiator he can be in spots he could be helpful and he has shown himself to be really good at those times where the ball is in his hands he makes really good decisions he doesn't lean on sitting there waiting and waiting until the 24 second clock is at 20 and then says okay it's time to make my move you know, but it's not a let's do this at eight o'clock and we just blow thirty four minutes talking about almost nothing that we can't talk about. So it just depends on what you're looking at. You know, it just depends on what you're looking at. Reeves is this dude that has a game that has definitely translated to the NBA because he can get that guy on his hip and then yeah, he create the fouls. He's real crafty with that. The other thing is that he's not scared. He's not scared in the moment. Doesn't bother him. Pretty confident guy. And really starting to understand how it is to play with LeBron. And what's the expectations? What is it going forward? Basically, how are you going to be better so you can help my chances to win an NBA title? To see LeBron interrogating Reeves. So what you going to work, what you working on off season? Oh, I was working on like, you know, cone drills and, you know, dribbling drills or whatever. And LeBron looks at him like, no shooting? Like inquisitive, but 
kind of also like, you better go shoot. He's like, uh, nah, not this year. Then it's like, what? No. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah. You got, you, you know, you just got to, I don't know. I just know that Reeves is, is filthy. I love his game. I love how patient he is. I love when he's selectively aggressive. And I'm not talking about turning it on and turning it off. He's playing the game. You know, he's thinking the game through. You see him thinking the game through. And you see it's not, it's real rare that young players are doing that. And I think that's why LeBron has kind of gravitated to him and also trusted Reeves because remember in the Memphis series when there was one game that was close, Austin Reeves was doing pick and rolls with AD in crunch time. Not LeBron, Austin Reeves. So with that being said, we have uh, hit our limit. We're pretty much done here. The Lakers are looking good. Their game four is tonight. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I just want to say that uh, Nico uh, will be back later on this week, and we should have a football pod. We'll be um, spotlighting the AFC North, uh, their draft, their free agency, what the roster looks like, roster breakdown, uh, maybe position battles, um, give you a little front office deal and a little uh, ownership deal, not too much on the owner maybe a little bit more in the front office, but sometimes the owner makes some difference as to people in the Washington, D.C. area. If a a good owner makes a difference. Not saying anything else when it comes to that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So with that being said, we are going to blow this popsicle stand, get ready for the basketball I hope you uh, have enjoyed this podcast. I enjoyed doing it for you. Um, say a prayer for my mom. Um, guys and girls, I you know, I'm, and I don't mean it to sound disrespectful. Women out there, guys out there, you know, when you have a loved one going through a tough time, it's, you know, you're worried because you're seeing the look on their face and, and, and just trying to allow them not to panic and, and make it worse for them. And, you know, I've said many a times on this podcast that we're getting closer to the end, you know, um, and um, I'm not having difficulties with that. I'm, I'm having more difficulties. Unfortunately, I've kind of expressed it on other podcasts about, um, addiction runs in my family. I was a alcoholic for a ton of years. My mom as well. And, uh, just really learning how to live life on, on terms that are uplifting to you, uh, provide value, you know, to your life, enrich your life in some way, um, have good self-worth. These are not tools that were in our tool bag um for a long period of time by the grace of god i really um became a a child of god and and really is grateful to be adopted into his heavenly kingdom um but 
Yeah, man, it's it's a rough go. It's a rough go when um you know for a lot of people this might sound foreign, and I think I said it before. My mother has no idea, in a sense, who she is, and I'm not talking about dementia. I'm talking about living a life where you are, you know, abused by a husband verbally and physically. Um, you are, you're never really valued by any person um, in your adult life that you had any kind of intimacy with, you know, physical intimacy with. I don't think any of her partners really valued her, um, which is sad. And, um, you know, she kind of cut her, cut herself off from the rest of the world and isolated. And, you know, the deterioration process, it didn't start happening like two years ago. It it started happening like, like 40, 42, 43. And that sounds crazy to people. But if you're not experiencing life, going to talk to people, uh, seeing new things, learning new things, trying new things, learning how to fail, learning how to succeed, learning whatever lesson you need to learn from whatever failure you had, these are all things that make up you and make up how you perceive life. And when you don't take any sort of leap at all, you have a very, you know, how can I put it? You have a very um, sheltered, anxiety-ridden type of life. And, you know, it's really, that's been the hard part to watch. It's just been And trying to give her tools in, in saying, telling her not to worry, unfortunately, and kind of falling on deaf ears. So we just pray for her every single day. And I thank you guys for thinking of her. And I thank you guys for taking this journey with me today. And again, enjoy the basketball. Enjoy it today. Um, and we should be back on this feed in the next couple of days with the AFC North off-season update. All right? So with that being said, it is Vince Carter and four. You know we can't close out the show crazy. And for the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for this podcast, the Canadian Zaglo, I am Vince Carter, and we will see you on this feed in the next couple of days.